Chapter Five, Part One of the Works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume Ten, Ingersoll's Address to the Jury in the Davis Will Case. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Part One article printed in the anaconda standard butte montana september fifth eighteen ninety one the matchless eloquence of ingersoll where will one look for the like of it what other man living has the faculty of blending wit and humor pathos and fact and logic with such exquisite grace or with such impressive force senator sanders this morning begged the jury to beware of the oratory of ingersoll as it transcended that of greece sanders was not far amiss in fierce and terrible invective ingersoll is not to be compared with demosthenes but in no other respect is demosthenes his superior to a modern audience at least demosthenes on the crown would seem a pretty poor sort of affair by the side of ingersoll on the davis will it was a great effort and its chief greatness lay in its extreme simplicity ingersoll stepped up to the jurors as near as he could get and kept slowly walking up and down before them at times he would single out a single juryman stop in front of him gaze steadily into his face and direct his remarks for a minute or two to that one man alone again he would turn and address himself to senator sanders judge dixon or somebody else of those interested in establishing the will as genuine at times the gravity of the jury and the audience was so completely upset that judge mccadden had to rap for order but presently the colonel would change his mood and the audience would be hushed into deepest silence if the jury could have retired immediately upon the conclusion of ingersoll's argument there is little doubt as to what the verdict would have been if ingersoll himself is not absolutely convinced that the will is a forgery he certainly had the art of making people believe that he was so convinced he said he hoped he might never win a case that he ought not to win as a matter of right and justice the idea which he sought to convey and which he did convey was that he believed he was right no matter whether he could make others believe as he did or not in that lies ingersoll's power whether by accident or design the will got torn this morning a piece in the form of a triangle was torn from one end ingersoll made quite a point this afternoon by passing the pieces around among the jury and asking each man of them to note that the ink at the torn edges had not sunk into the paper in doing this he adopted a conversational tone and kept pressing the point until the juror he was working on nodded his head in approval both judge dixon and senator sanders interrupted ingersoll early in his speech to take exception to certain of his remarks but the colonel's dangerous repartee and delicate art in twisting anything they might say to his own advantage soon put a stop to the interruptions and the speaker had full sway during the rest of the time at his disposal the crowd 
it was as big as circumstances would permit every available inch of space in the room and in the courthouse corridors being occupied enjoyed ingersoll's speech immensely and only respect for the proprieties of the place prevented frequent bursts of applause as an accompaniment to the frequent bursts of eloquence ingersoll's address may it please the court and gentlemen of the jury waiving congratulations reminiscences and animadversions i will proceed to the business in hand there are two principal and important questions to be decided by you first is the will sought to be probated the will of andrew j davis is it genuine is it honest and second did andrew j davis make a will after eighteen sixty six revoking all former wills or were the provisions such that they were inconsistent with the provisions of the will of eighteen sixty six these are the questions and as we examine them other questions arise that have to be answered the first question then is who wrote the will of eighteen sixty six whose work is it when where and by whom was it done and i don't want you gentlemen to pay any attention to what i say unless it appeals to your reason and to your good sense don't be afraid of me because i am a sinner footnote colonel ingersoll when speaking of himself as a sinner in this address is referring to the remarks made by senator sanders who in the preceding address said quote, in an old book occur the words my son if sinners entice thee consent thou not i will not apply this to you gentlemen of the jury but i have a right to demand of you that you hold your minds and hearts free from all influences calculated to swerve you until you have heard the last words in this case the senator enjoined them not to be beguiled by the eloquence of a man who was famed for his eloquence over two continents and in the islands of the sea a man whose eloquence fittingly transcended that of greece in the time of alexander and footnote i admit that i am a sinner i am not like the other gentlemen who thanked god quote, that he was not as other men end quote i have the faults and frailties common to the human race but in spite of being a sinner i strive to be at least a good-natured one and i am such a sinner that if there is any good in any other world i am willing to share it with all the children of men to that extent at least i am a sinner and i hope gentlemen that you will not be prejudiced against me on that account or decide for the proponent simply upon the perfections of senator sanders now i say the question is who wrote this will the testimony offered by the proponent is that it was written by job davis we have heard a great deal gentlemen of the difference between fact and opinion there is a difference between fact and opinion but sometimes when we have to establish a fact by persons we are hardly as certain that the fact ever existed as we are of the opinion and although one swears that he saw a thing or heard a thing we all know that the accuracy of that statement must be decided by something besides his word there is this beautiful peculiarity in nature a lie never fits a fact never 
you only fit a lie with another lie made for the express purpose because you can change a lie but you can't change a fact and after a while the time comes when the last lie you tell has to be fitted to a fact and right there is a bad joint consequently you must test the statements of people who say they saw not by what they say but by other facts by the surroundings by what are called probabilities by the naturalness of the statement if we only had to hear what witnesses say jurymen would need nothing but ears their brains could be dispensed with but after you hear what they say you call a counsel in your brain and make up your mind whether the statement in view of all the circumstances is true or false did job davis write this will i would be willing to risk this entire case on that one proposition did job davis write this will and i propose to demonstrate to you by the evidence on both sides that job davis did not write that will why do i say so first the evidence of all the parties is that job davis wrote a very good hand that his letters were even he wrote a good hand a kind of schoolmaster copybook hand is this will written in that kind of hand i ask judge woolworth to tell you whether that is written in a clerky hand whether it was written by a man who wrote an even hand whether it was written by a man who closed his a's and o's whether it was written by one who made his h's and b's different job davis was a good scholar no good penman ever wrote the body of that will if there were nothing else i would be satisfied and in my judgment you would be that it is not the writing of job davis it is the writing of a poor penman it is the writing of a careless penman who for that time endeavored to write a little smaller than usual and why when people forge a will they write the names first on the blank paper they will not write the body of the will and then forge the name to it because if they are not successful in the forgery of the name they would have to write the whole business over again so the first thing they would do would be to write the name and the next thing that they would do be to write the will so as to bring it within the space that was left and here they wrote it a little shorter even than was necessary and quit there indicating on the will and made these six or seven marks and then turned over and on the other side they were a little crowded before they got to the name of a j davis now the next question is was job davis a good speller let us be honest about it how delighted they would have been to show that he was an ignorant booby but their witnesses and our witnesses both swear that he was the best speller in the neighborhood and when they brought men from other communities to a spelling match after all had fallen on the field after the floor was covered with dead and wounded job davis stood proudly up not having missed a word he was the best speller in that county and not only so but at sixteen years of age he wasn't simply studying arithmetic he was in algebra and not only so after he had finished what you may call this common school education in salt creek township he went to the normal school of iowa and prepared himself to be a teacher and came back and taught a school 
now did job davis write this will senator sanders says there are three or four misspelled words in this document while the fact is there are twenty words in the document that are clearly and absolutely misspelled and what kind of words are misspelled some of the easiest and most common in the english language will you say upon your oaths that job davis having the reputation of the champion speller of the neighborhood will you upon your oaths say that when he wrote this will probably the only document of any importance if he did write it that he ever wrote he spelled shall s h a l every time it occurs in the will will you say that this champion speller spelled the word weather with two r's and made it whether making two mistakes first as to the word itself and second as to the spelling will you say that this champion speller could not spell the word dispose but wrote it depose and will you say the ordinary word give was spelled by this educated young man g-u-i-v-e and it seems that colonel sanders has ransacked the misspelled word to find somebody idiotic enough to twist a u in the word give and even in the century dictionary i suppose they call it the century dictionary because they looked a hundred years to find that peculiarity of spelling even there although give is spelled four ways besides the right way no u is there and will you say that job davis did not know the word administrators now let us be honest about this matter let us be fair it is not a personal quarrel between lawyers i never quarrel with anybody my philosophy being that everybody does as he must and if he is in bad luck and does wrong why let us pity him and if we happen to have good luck and take the path where roses bloom why let us be joyful that is my doctrine no need of fighting about these little things they are all over in a little while anyway do you believe that job davis spelled sheet a sheet of paper s-h-e-a-t that is the way he spells it in this document now let us be honor bright with each other and do not let the lawyers on the other side treat you as if you were twelve imbeciles you would better be misled by a sensible sinner than by the most pious absurdities that ever floated out from the lips of man let us have some good hard sense as we would in ordinary business life do you believe that job davis the educated young man the school teacher the one who attended the normal school would put periods in the middle of sentences and none at the end that he would put a period on one side of an n and then fearing the n might get away put one on the other and then when he got the sentence done be out of periods so that he could not put one there and put so many periods in the writing that it looked as if it had broken out with some kind of punctuation measles job davis an educated man and you are going to tell this jury that that man wrote the will i think your cheeks will get a little red while you're doing it this man when he comes to this little word is in the middle of a sentence his desire for equality is so great that he wishes to put the word on a level with others and starts it with a capital so that it will not be shamed to appear with longer words 
and yet the will was written by job davis and sconce saw him write it and mrs downey saw him write it if there were one million sconces and a million mrs downies and they held their hands up high and swore that they did i know that they did not unless all the witnesses who have testified to the education of job davis have testified lies there is where i told you a little while ago that when a lie comes in contact with a fact it will not fit these are the people in salt creek township that have come here and sworn to that did not know whether it was spelled right or wrong they did not take that into consideration it seems to me utterly absolutely infinitely impossible that this will was written by a good speller i know it was not so do you there is not a man on the jury that does not know it was not written by a good speller not a man and you cannot upon your oaths say that you believe two things first that job davis was a good speller and secondly that he wrote this will utterly impossible there is another word here wordly all my wordly goods worldly it ought to be but this job davis this scholar did not know that there was such a word as worldly he left out the l and called it wordly all my wordly goods and they want you to find on your oath that it was written by a good speller there are twenty words misspelled in this short will and the most common words some of them in the english language now i say that these twenty misspelled words are twenty witnesses twenty witnesses that tell the truth without being on their oath and that you cannot mix by cross-examination twenty witnesses every misspelled word holds up its maimed and mutilated hand and swears that job davis did not write that will every one suppose witnesses had sworn that judge woolworth wrote this will how many salt creakers do you think it would take to convince you that he was around spelling sheet s-h-e-a-t mr woolworth i have done worse than that a great many times mr ingersoll you have acted worse than that but you have never spelled worse than that now this job davis died in eighteen sixty eight nobody has seen him write for twenty-three years but everybody their witnesses and ours positively swears that he was a good speller now comes another question who wrote this will colonel sanders tells us that it is immaterial whether job davis wrote it or not to me that is a very strange remark if job davis did not write it mr sconce has sworn falsely if job davis did not write it then there was no will on the twentieth of july eighteen sixty six and all the glasgows and quigleys and downies and the rest are mistaken not one word of truth in their testimony unless job davis wrote that will and yet a learned counsel who says that his object is to assist you in finding a correct verdict says it don't make any difference whether job davis wrote the will or not i don't think it will in this case who wrote the will i am going to tell you and i am going to demonstrate it so that you need not think anything about it so that you will know it that is to say it will be a moral certainty who wrote this will i will tell you who and i have not the slightest hesitation in saying it james r eddy wrote this will and why do i say it 
many witnesses have sworn that they were well acquainted with mr eddy's handwriting many several of the witnesses here had the writing of eddy with them that writing was handed to the counsel on the other side so that they might frame questions for cross-examination those witnesses founded their answers as to peculiarities upon the writings given to the other side and not on the writing in this will just on the writings of letters and documents they had in their possession and that we handed to the opposite counsel now what do they say every witness who has testified on that subject said that eddie had this peculiarity first that whenever a word ended with the letter d he made that d separate from the rest of the word and gentlemen there are twenty-eight words in this short will ending with the letter d clearly unequivocally in twenty-seven of the words ending in d the d is separate from the rest of the word i do not include the twenty-eighth because there is a little doubt about it the testimony is unvarying except the writing that eddie has done since he has been found out to be the forger of that will nobody has sworn that he had a letter from him in which that is not a fact unless the letter was written since the institution of this suit twenty-seven of these words end with a d and the d is made separate from the rest of the word will judge woolworth please tell the jury whether any witness testified that job davis made these separate from the rest of the word poor job dead and his tombstone is being ornamented with g u i v e and he is now made to appear as an ignorant nobody twenty-eight words ending with d now if that were all i would say that might be an accident a coincidence and that we could not build upon that as a rock i would say we must go further we must find whether any more peculiarities exist in eddie's writing that also exist in this will we must be honest with him now let us see he always had the peculiarity of terminating that d abruptly down just above the line or at the line lifting his pen suddenly making no mark to the right every one of the d's in the will is made exactly that way corroboration number two these twenty-seven witnesses the d's swear that eddie is their father that they are the children of his hand that he made them another peculiarity they say that eddie always made a double l in a peculiar manner the last l came down to the line of the upstroke and that l as a rule stopped there it did not go on to the right a peculiarity now let us see in this will there are nine words that end with a double l and i want you to look at that when you go out each one is made exactly the same each one nine more witnesses that take the stand and swear to the authorship of this will has anybody shown that that was job davis's habit poor dead dust cannot swear nobody has said that another peculiarity is that eddie made a p without making any loop to the right in the middle of it now and then he makes one with a loop but his habit is to make one without moses downey swore that job davis made a p with three loops a loop at the top a loop at the bottom and a loop in the middle that is exactly what he swore and he was the one who taught job to write and he said that he made his letters carefully he closed his a's at the top 
he made his o's round he made his h's after the orthodox pattern he was all right on the b's your witness now gentlemen you remember how that p looks without any loop and there are twenty-one p's that have no loop to the right twenty-one in this will twenty-one more witnesses and every one of them is worth a hundred sconces with his sheep and hogs floating in the air twenty-one witnesses that swear to the paternity of this will moses downey your own witness swears that job made a p with three loops there is not a p in the will with three loops and there are twenty-one without any and evidence of all the witnesses on our side was that it was his habit to make peas without any loop and they were given the papers that they might cross-examine every one now do you see we are getting along on the edge of demonstration these things cannot conspire and happen they may in omaha but they can't in butte or even in salt creek township nature is substantially the same everywhere and i believe her laws are substantially the same everywhere from a grain of sand to the blazing arcturus everywhere the probabilities are the same let us take another step it is also sworn by intelligent men who have the writing of eddy in their possession writing shown to the other side that it was his habit to use a's o's and u's indiscriminately for instance t h u t that you will all remember in the will when you go out you will see it he often uses an o where an a should be an a where a u should be a u where an a or an o should be in other words he uses them interchangeably or indiscriminately how many cases of that occur in this will twenty-two twenty-two instances in this will in which one of these vowels is used where another ought to have been used twenty-two more witnesses that james r eddy wrote this will twenty-two more they have taken the stand they won't have to be sworn because they can't lie it would be splendid if all witnesses were under that disability that they had to tell the truth that cannot be answered by logwood ink eddie made peas just the same whether he used logwood or nigrosin and he used his a's and o's and u's indiscriminately no matter whether he was writing in ink red blue brown iron carters arnold's stafford's or anybody else's another witness testified that he used r where he ought to use s and that he used s where he ought to use r or that he made his r's and s's the same many instances of that kind occur in this will and every r says to eddie you are the man every one every s swears that your will is a poor ignorant impudent forgery that is what it is the most ignorant forgery ever presented in a court of justice since the art of writing was invented it comes in covered with the earmarks of fraud and yet i am told that it requires audacity to say that it is a forgery what on earth does it require to say that it is genuine audacity in comparison with what is essential to say that it is genuine is rank meekness and cowardice words lose their meaning all swear that eddie scattered his periods with a liberal hand like a farmer sowing his grain now we will take the twenty-third line of the will Quote, to their use period 
and period benefit another period forever another period end quote twenty-fifth line quote davis period and another period job another period davis another period of another period davis another period county another period end quote what a spendthrift of punctuation this man was and yet he was well educated studying algebra going to the normal school in iowa champion speller of the neighborhood every period certifies and swears that job davis did not write that will he had studied grammar punctuation is a part of grammar and no one but the most errant blundering stumbling ignoramus would think of putting six or eight periods along in a sentence and then leaving the end of that sentence naked without anything another peculiarity is mr eddy uses b and h interchangeably he makes a b exactly like an h makes an h exactly like a b you can see that all through the will there are several instances of it and each one says that job davis did not write it downey says he did not write that way and each one says that mr eddy did write it and nobody else this ends chapter five part one of four